Hey everybody, this is Ernie Johnson, and welcome to EJ's Game Plan. It's your guide to working in sports media. Today we'll be talking to Drew Watkins, Vice President, Creative Director of Turner Sports. All right, I think we may be live. So, this is EJ's Journalism School, uh, the next edition. My name is Drew Watkins. Um, I believe we're live here. Um, so just to, to kind of get this thing going, hey, I see people signing on, Synergy Film signing on. Um, so what's happening is Ernie Johnson of Turner Sports is inviting people uh, that are in the business, in the media industry, um, journalists, producers, um, television types to come on to his journalism school daily, weekly, um, and give knowledge and give inspiration and give tips and just talk to people, talk to students, talk to fellow people in the industry. Um, so this is the latest edition. Uh, my name is Drew Watkins. Uh, I work for Turner Sports with Ernie Johnson, and uh, I've been at Turner for 20 years. Uh, my title is Vice President Creative Director at Turner Sports. I oversee the creative department, uh, and what you see over my head is a looper of samples of projects that I've worked on over the years. Uh, what the creative group does at Turner Sports is promos, um, opens. Um, opens would be when you log on, when you, when you tune into a broadcast, and in the first couple of minutes, you see this two, three minute piece that kind of sets the stage and explains what the stakes are and uh, identifies the key storylines. It's very stylized. Uh, there's interviews that have been shot. Um, there's high-end graphics and editing and composite and sound design. Uh, so I do that. My group does that. I've been doing it for a long time. Um, that's probably my main contribution to the show is doing these things. Um, from a promotional standpoint, you guys have seen uh, commercials, image campaigns, music videos, where we would partner with an artist uh, for a promotional um, agreement to promote NBA on TNT, like Pharrell. That's uh, uh, what's happening right there. It's just Pharrell is um, recording a, a video for our playoff coverage for NBA on TNT. So that was a little behind the scenes piece of kind of how, how stuff like that comes together. So um, without further ado, I'll get into some questions um, and start, you know, going over, um, you know, some things that you might, you guys might want to know about what I do. Um, how it comes together, the importance of creative writing, creative producing, uh, creative directing. Um, those are all the things that I specialize in, uh, and those are, are what we do for the broadcast. Um, and I'll just kind of reset every now and then to, uh, uh, oh, there's a question. I'll, I'll reset every now and then just to kind of catch people up. So there's a question uh, from Zach. Uh, how did you get to where you are in the business? It took a while. It took a while. I started off as a production assistant at ESPN. Um, I was at ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut for a couple of years uh, from 98 to 2000. That was my first real job in the business. And I got there by having an internship when I was in college in the sports department at a local station in DC. I went to school at Howard University. Um, so I, I, I was able to uh, meet a, uh, a reporter out doing a story on the campus of Howard University and was able to parlay that conversation into um, an internship. Um, I got a summer internship, summer 97, um, went there, uh, learned a lot in the sports department, worked for free, worked all summer. Um, and when ESPN came to do a job fair, you know, that's where I met Al Jaffe, who, if anybody knows ESPN, anybody knows the sports business, he, he's the guy that kind of does all the hiring there. So uh, I met him. Um, he uh, hired me, brought me on as a production assistant. I was there for two years. And after two years, I was able to transition to Turner Sports, um, where I uh, 
you know, started working on Inside the NBA, you know, met Ernie, met all the production people there and, uh, you know, became, became part of the crew. And that's, that's basically the, the short story of how, how I got my start. Uh, Julian Winters, how do you ensure your staff voice is heard in meetings, um, a show and not just yours? Okay. Yeah. Good question. So I, I oversee, uh, like I said, the creative department and uh, as well as the, the design group at Turner. And there's a lot of people there, dozens and dozens and dozens of people there. And there's a lot of content that we produce. So one of the things that we try to make standard practice is to let everybody have an opportunity to take a crack at coming up with content, coming up with ideas, coming up with ways to do things, make pitches. You know, you can make pitches however you want. You can do them um, in write-ups. You can do them in group meetings. You can do one-on-ones, email. Um, however people feel comfortable, we, we, we try to encourage them to, um, to present their ideas. And anybody who comes up with a good idea um, will have it considered. Um, it will be discussed amongst the group. Um, they'll get a chance to, to kind of flush it out. They'll get a chance to do the research. They'll get a chance to you know, contemplate budgets and, you know, you factor all that into your, your proposal and, you know, the tighter your, your pitch is, then the better chance you having a piece that, that makes air. Uh, our group is taught to take ideas from conceptualization um, all the way through finishing. Uh, so we're, we're a little bit of a rarity in, in, in a sense in the industry to a degree. Um, we don't, uh, in our creative group, we don't hand things off. Um, there's not some group of writers uh, on the floor above us and we get the scripts and have to interpret them. Um, we, we don't farm out really to, to directors. So here's, here's the script. Let's find us a, a hotshot director in LA to, sh to shoot this thing. Um, and even the finishing and the editing, we, we, we do everything pretty much from the ground up. So if you are working in our group, you essentially are trained to write, creative writing, conceptualization, what, the, what is the idea? Um, what is the idea and how to communicate that in a way where people will understand it? Um, and then you have an opportunity to um, write up the specifics of it, the actual script. What is the dialogue? What do people say? What happens? Um, what are the visual cues? Uh, then if it's selected, you have a chance to go out and shoot it, direct the shoot, bring back the footage, and then you, have, and you sit in the edit room and put it all together. Um, so the short answer is the... the, the the tighter your pitches are based on everything you've seen in the industry, based on things that other people in the group are doing, based on the topicality of what's going on in sports, um, the tighter your proposal is, the better chance you have. It's not just assignments. Um, it, it's, you know, we, we try not to just assign people things just because it's their turn. We try to give people an opportunity to, to pitch and, and, and pursue projects that they believe in. So here's one from H. Geff. I think I know who that is. Uh, what's my favorite spot that I've written and directed? Um, I have different spots that I like for different reasons. Um, my favorite spot that I've ever done was the spot for the opening of the NBA season in 2011, um, entitled NBA Forever. Um, if people remember coming out of the lockout, it was the lockout season. So that was the year that things started on Christmas Day. The first games were on Christmas Day. And uh, I did an open for that game where it was, the concept was old players, uh, young players, um, players from different eras, um, all together, all playing together, you know, on the court together. And it was just a series of scenes and shots uh, of these players kind of, you know, just out there playing basketball across generations, across eras. Um, and it was imagery that, you know, people aren't, weren't really used to seeing. Uh, so it, it struck a, a chord with a lot of people. And uh, the fact that it was also on Christmas Day was uh, added a little special um, kind of, you know, a little nudge to, to the heartstrings there uh, for a lot of people. Uh, and it was, it, you know, it was a good message at the right time. Um, you know, coming out of the lockout, you need, you need a positive message that gets you back in the mindset to really enjoy basketball. So that was, that was one of my favorite pieces um, overall. My favorite direct 
favorite thing that I've ever directed was a piece with uh, Brian Cranston for MLB postseason um, on TBS, his one-man show. Um, we basically had him pretend like he was putting on a one-man show um, that encompassed the entire MLB postseason. Uh, that was that was a really great day working with him. It was right after Breaking Bad had finished its run, um, and it was just fun to to be a part of. Um, and my favorite recent project was you know All Star Chicago um, Open. Um, I don't know how many people watched that, but uh, basically it was in Chicago. Huge deal, uh, world history, Michael Jordan, things of that nature. Um, and I got to do a, a piece to open that up with uh, a bunch of famous people from Chicago. Uh, built this tiny little city, this miniature sh city of Chicago to, to be the set for it. Um, and it just came together um, well. And the reason I was, you know, drawn to it was because it took me so long to, to do it. So that when it came together, it was, it was a really nice uh, moment for me. Uh, I am Vanessa. Best way for midlife experienced journalists to get a foot in the door season, folks. Oh, um, persistence. Um, and it depends on, on, on kind of what your, what your specialty is. Uh, usually in television, it comes down to, you know, what you've done, what's on your reel, um, contacts that you have, contacts that you've made. Um, if you have a pretty strong reel, uh, it's going to be hard to deny you at least the opportunity to discuss having an opportunity somewhere. Um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll probably get in front of the right people if you keep track of the things you've done, if you are constantly doing things and adding to your reel and improving um, and, and detailing what's on there and communicating what's on there, what you did. Uh, it's probably a little bit different for, for talent on air um, than it is for, you know, somebody like myself who's more of a producer, a post-production producer. Uh, but I, you know, I, I do the same thing. I have pieces that, you know, would, would encompass my reel, so to speak. You're, you're watching a lot of them back there. Uh, but, you know, I, I can go in and, and show these things to people and explain um, what I've been doing, why I would deserve a shot. Um, and if, if you have that experience, if you've been around for a, a while and maybe bounced around here and there, and you're trying to get to a certain, um, a certain point, uh, then I would just keep um, you know, keep dialing in that reel and keep, uh, you know, getting it, getting it in front of people. Sooner or later, you're going to find somebody who, who needs your skill set. Uh, Derry J, one, does your inspiration for your projects come from your life experiences? Hmm, interesting question. My inspiration for my projects comes from anywhere and everywhere. Inspiration is all around you uh, if you open your eyes to it. A lot of times, you know, people can get tunnel vision or they get too caught up in, you know, the day-to-day -day and they don't really um, notice the amazing things that, that they're seeing, that they're passing as they're walking down the street. Um, I've, I've kind of developed a habit of just keeping my eyes open, keeping my ears open for visuals a visual that i might want to recreate even if it's not a whole idea it's just a really cool silhouette that i see um in a tunnel somewhere or a, a, a really cool song that i might hear um and i just jot you know just make a little note mental note or jot it down um you know going back to that piece of reference that nba nba forever piece like that you know a lot of people really like the music for that piece you know and it's interesting because you think about what the stereotypical music is for NBA basketball. And traditionally it's hip hop. It's, you know, whatever the latest hip hop is, the hottest new stuff. Um, but I, you know, I was, I was actually in a hotel in Oklahoma city waiting for the crew to come down to the lobby for a shoot. And I heard the song that I ended up using in that piece just on the, you know, the hotel speakers, um, just the lobby music. Um, and I, it just struck me as, as very cool and, and, and interesting. And uh, I just filed it away for a while. And um, uh, the song's called Live Forever. Um, 
by uh, Drew Holcomb and the neighbors. Uh, so I, I just kind of filed it away and then eventually found an opportunity to use it and opened up a basketball um, season with it. And it wasn't the stereotypical, you know, hip hop. It was a song that was more right for the message I was trying to convey and right for the moment. So you, you have to kind of just be open and see things and, and notice things and don't always um, disregard things if they don't immediately fit into an idea of what you can do with them. Just kind of hold on to it and, and your moment uh, with those things will come. Light, my man, light. Let's see. Uh, what do you think about ESPN's Last Dance? Um, would you like to work on long form content like that? Yeah, uh, good one. Um, I watched Last Dance first couple episodes. I thought it was really great. Um, you know, obviously Michael Jordan is, you know, there, there's really not much that can be said about him at this point. Um, he, he's he's a, a, a living, breathing, mythical figure, um, an icon in the truest sense of the word, and somebody who inspires uh, a lot of people's you know imaginations about a lot of things. Um, if you're great in any field, in any field, then people say you're the Michael Jordan of that field, which is you know it kind of starts to transcend a little bit um, when they when they use your name. In those kind of ways. Uh, so anytime you see the old clips is great. Anytime you see, you know, shots or, or video that, that you haven't seen before, you know, the, one of the appeals to, to, to the Michael Jordan um, Last Dance documentary is there's, you know, this footage that people haven't seen before. And uh, they're going to show you that. And that's going to be really cool, especially for people who like sports and follow sports and, and have seen all the old video clips over and over and over again. Um, it's nice to see new stuff. So just the access it, it is in a lot of ways what, you know, makes that last dance so appealing and so amazing. The fact that he did it, you know, Michael Jordan notoriously doesn't do much, um, you know, doesn't do many things like that. He doesn't do many documentaries or commercials. Um, you know, we, we, we've chased him at Turner for years to do things. I've, I've only worked with him one time in the 20 years I've been at Turner. Um, and that was, that was for the Chicago All-Star game. You know, we've been chasing them, you know, as far as I know, for, for, for as long as I've been there and even longer. So it's always nice to, to see that. So I thought the last dance was cool. Um, yeah, I love the idea of, of long form. I don't really think in terms of, you know, long form, short form. I mean, storytelling, storytelling, content's content. Um, it just so happens that I'm kind of called upon to do shorter form things um, in my, in my day, day job. Um, five minute pieces, three minute pieces, features. Sometimes we work on shows, you know, I've done uh, full length shows. I, I directed our Shaq, you know, if you guys remember the Shaq and Kobe conversation from a few years ago, I directed that um, that shoot with those guys to, to make an hour long show out of it. So um, I, I get to dabble in the long form every now and then, uh, but I would say the vast majority of my stuff is short form, but yeah, I mean, any any appealing content ha has, has an appeal to me. So thanks for that question, Light. D seven four five 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 six five eight. Need a few uh, less numbers in that. Um, have you ever done a piece <laughs> where everything went wrong? How did it come out? <laughs> uh, something goes wrong in every piece. Something goes wrong in every shoot. Something goes wrong in every production. Uh, the question is, how wrong is it going to go? Um, but, you know, it's kind of an interesting question because I, I can't remember a shoot in my entire career where nothing went, went wrong. Um, there's always something. There's always some kind of issue. It's either someone's late or you don't have the equipment you need or you know, there's an issue with the site or something breaks or, you know, you're going into overtime, the sun's going down. Um, so it, it, it's best to expect those things in my line of work. That's one of the things that uh, me and my group talk about a lot is um, how do you respond 
when things go wrong and uh, we, we have our own, um, we have our own kind of uh, philosophy around this. I always tell, tell them, you know, no matter what happens, um, rule number one is don't panic. Uh, and right after you, you get past rule number one and decide that you're not going to panic, then you have to spend, you know, your time figuring it out. You just have to figure it out. Uh, I've had all kinds of crazy things happen. I, I remember um, the most recent crazy thing was for the all-star open for Chicago, or I just referenced that got to work with Michael Jordan, you know, we're, we're flying, you know, flying into the shoot um, the day before. Uh, Cause you know, it's very specific when you're, when you're dealing with him, he wants, you know, you have a certain time window, uh, very limited availability, you know, 10 minutes, you know, to, to get what you need. Um, you got to go to him. You got to fly to him. You got to get your crew. You got to get all your equipment. You got to make sure everything's there. Um, so we're going to do this shoot with Michael Jordan for this, for the Chicago all-star open. And I'm on the plane the day before and I get a text message as we're about to make our initial descent uh, from my production manager, Sarah, who had gone there, you know, or even earlier to, to start setting things up, um, just getting ahead, you know, just, just doing, doing what a good production manager does. Uh, and, and Jordan's rep comes into the room where we're about to shoot the day before and ask where, every, where everybody is, you know, the room's empty. Um, the shoot's not till the next morning, nine o'clock in the morning. And, uh, she, she tells my manager, um, no, the shoot's today. Um, so my man, my production manager's like, I know it's tomorrow. So, you know, Jordan's rep pulls out the phone and looks into the messages and goes, oh, oh, I, you know, I told Drew, um, tomorrow, mistakenly but it actually is today so you guys need to do it today um and it needs to be done in three hours the shoot you know we, we you'll get him in three hours so you know anybody who's ever worked on a shoot has taken you know like a day to set it up knows that uh doing something like that from scratch in three hours with no crew uh is, is, a, is a tall order especially when the director the dp the DIT, um, the DP director of photography, um, D DIT digital imaging technician, uh, and all the camera equipment are still on a plane making their initial descent to, to the city where the shoot is. So, um, you know, long story short, uh, you know, we, we landed, I texted, I texted Sarah back, just, you know, start trying to round up who you can. She was already doing that, um, trying to bring in whoever we could uh, to start filling out this crew on short notice, uh, we landed. I informed the DP what was going on, that we had to scale everything down, and we, you know, we had to make a plan that could be executed in three hours instead of a day. Um, and we went to work. We went right to the set. Uh, by the time we got to the set, it was you know two hours till. Um, we hustled. Uh, the set wasn't ready. We had to prep it. We had to move stuff out the way. It was a storage space. You know, um, all hands on deck. Got the set built and uh, finished everything up um, about five minutes before uh, Jordan showed up. Um, and it was very hairy. Uh, it was very dicey. It was one of the tightest um, situations I've been in in terms of trying to pull something like that off. But uh, I was proud of the crew. Nobody panicked. Um, and the thing you got to remember in a situation like that is you know, you're like, how, well, how do you not panic? How do you not panic? You're, it's three hours. You're gonna, you're not gonna get them. The piece is gonna be ruined. How do you not panic? Well, you you have to in a time like that, you have to think past the shoot. You have to imagine um, getting it done, envision getting it done, um, so you can start, you know, formulating your plan. But then you envision getting it done, and you just imagine how great of a story it's going to be when you pull it off. That's, that's what has to drive you instead of the fear of not pulling it off. Um, as soon as something goes wrong, you have to go, okay, that's going to be, when wait till people hear that, they're going to, they're going to, nobody's going to believe this story. That's going to be an awesome story. Um, 
and that's what you have to do. You just have to do that. Um, and maybe it takes a while to get to that point, but you know, it can be done and uh, we got to shoot and everything worked. So S. Manili, did, did I miss your <laughs> number one rule for production? No, that was it. Do not panic no matter what, especially if you're in a post-production situation, because like I said, things are going to go wrong all the time. As a producer or director of a show, um, how should you manage the stress that you're going to face? Um, again, it's, it's, it's a similar mindset. It's not necessarily managing the stress. It's more expecting the stress and realizing that stressful situations in live television are the norm. All right. I think we got dropped off for a second and now I'm back. Yeah. So like I was saying, uh, the stress, and again, this is, you know, kind of resetting. I, I got knocked off somehow, but uh, EJ School of Journalism, Drew Watkins, Turner Sports, um, Vice President, Creative Director, uh, just going over some, some personal experiences and thoughts from working in the industry um, for Ernie Johnson's Journalism School. Uh, got knocked offline. I think I'm back on. So uh, the question was, how do you deal with stress on live production? Well, you know, stress is the norm. You have to expect it. You have to expect it. You can't, um, you can't flip out. You can't, um, you know, let it get the best of you. You have to just understand that these things are going to happen and you have to roll with it and you have to expect it and you have to expect the pressure and you have to expect, uh, you have to expect these things to go wrong. So um, that is how I handle stress in a live production situation. Um, and again, um, if some of you guys might've got knocked off, um, sorry about that. I had some kind of technical issue and, and my feed ended. So I restarted it. So this may be a, another clip. Uh, so some of you may be, may be rejoining a new clip, um, but uh, we're back on, we're back live. So here's one from Zach. What is the best way to build your business contacts in the business networking? Um, admittedly, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not, uh, the world's best networker, um, probably for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, I'm a shy guy, you know, uh, I'm a pretty shy dude. Uh, and I, and I'm not, I'm kind of an introvert. And when I'm in situations with a lot of people, I'm more of the type to, you know, observe and, you know, try to just kind of see what's going on before, before I really get out there and, and, and start glad handing. Um, but I, I've seen it work. Uh, I'm a big fan of, you know, conventions, conferences, like journalism conferences. I go to the NABJ National Association of Black Journalists every year, pretty much. And it is an incredible um, way to meet people, to get contacts, to meet people in the industry, to meet people that you have not, you know, been introduced to before. Uh, so that's one thing that I do quite a bit uh, in terms of trying to meet new people. Um, the other thing is uh, going to events. You know, we go to a lot of games, a lot of, you know, all-star type events, a lot of tentpole type events. And, you know, got to keep your eyes open. You'll meet some interesting people. Um, you talk to them, ask a few questions. You find out you have a lot in common and you can, you know, really make some cool contacts uh, and, and the other thing is kind of keep touch with people. You know, I keep touch with a lot of people who, you know, I used to work with, at ESPN with. I still keep in touch with them quite a bit. So uh, it, it's just another way to, to keep your, your name out there, keep your face out there. Legal Dids, my guy Legal Dids. Aside from job skill, what characteristics do you look for when adding to your team? <sighs> Good question. Um, job skill is by far the number one thing that I look for. Um, you, if you have some abilities in writing, directing, producing, however you got them, uh, if that can manifest itself in, 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 the, in the work, that's very appealing. That's very appealing for what we do. Resourcefulness. Is, is something that, you know, it's tougher to judge um, in an interview. You, you kind of need to be around someone, but you can, you can kind of get to it a little bit by, 
you know, asking questions about what a person may have done on their reel, uh, what they had to work with, what their budget was. Uh, if you see something that looks like high production value coming from an operation where they used to work, where you know they, they probably didn't have a ton of money, that would be an indicator that, okay, this person is able to do some things with a small you know, budget or with limited time constraints. Um, so that, that's resourcefulness. Um, uh, a sense of humor, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good. The ability to, to see the funny side of things is always interesting. That comes across in writing. It comes across in writing people, people, um, people who, who have a hard time writing, uh, with humor. Um, that's a tough, that's a tough one to overcome. It's very hard to, to go from not really being super funny naturally to, to trying to harness um, humor, specifically in writing. We do a lot of uh, writing that requires a, a humor touch. Uh, we do co-branded content where a, an advertiser might want us to produce a custom commercial mixing two brands. You know, State Farm, you get, a lot of people seeing the State Farm commercials with athletes uh, where it's combining NBA and, and the insurance brand. We, we do a lot of things like that. They're silly spots. They're funny. Um, you need to be able to to get that assignment or pitch a script that's funny and that and that works. Um, so that's something that we look for people who who have the ability to have that perspective and just you know in general having different perspectives and being able to step out of your own kind of world and see things a different way is a good skill to have and that comes across in the work too. You can tell if someone um, really kind of stepped out of their own. Uh, life experiences in their own shoes and looked at something from a different perspective um, and how they approach it, how they write it, what kind of choices they make in, in the production, um, what kind of choices they make with their music. You, you, you can kind of get a sense that, um, that they were able to do that. So thanks. Thanks, Dids. Keller. B. Keller, 35. What is the best story that you had to leave on the cutting room floor? The best stuff on the cutting room floor is, I mean, because we work, you know, in sports and it is, you know, a family audience to a degree, there's a lot of stuff that's, you know, on the edgy side of things that, that never makes it. Um, so there's, you know, pretty much everybody almost everybody you work with, you're catching them in the flow of their day. You don't, you know, you're just there to, to, to shoot your, your commercial, your promo, or your open. Um, so there's some very, you know, interesting in, uh, interchanges that, that are had. And, uh, you know, the best cutting room floor stuff is kind of those in-between moments, the jokes where you happen to keep rolling, you know, there's a little profanity, somebody's, you know, um, cracking on a member of the crew, um, you know, things like that, that would never really see the light of air in a piece. Uh, you know, we, we get a lot of those types of things with, with Charles Barkley, who, of course, is one of our analysts on Inside the NBA. We shoot a lot of stuff with him. We shoot a lot of stuff with him and Shaq and Kenny and, and Ernie. And the cutting room floor is, is filled with funny bits that, uh, you know, don't make it just because, you know, there may be at times a little off, off off color and, and a little too a little too lively and spicy for, for what we're trying to do. Um, but it's hilarious stuff. And it's always great to kind of scroll through the raw footage um, and, you know, bring some people from the team together to kind of have a, a laugh at, at, at something that you that you um, captured that day. Hughes, J, uh, AJ Hughes, how do you decide what kind of shot to use? How do you decide what kind of shot to use? So um, interesting question. I mean, obviously, when you're making content or promos, uh, opens, you go through a lot of footage that is, you know, already shot. It comes from games. It comes from um, archival footage. Um, so it's just the process of basically trying to identify everything that might advance the story and then playing around with it. A lot of time, you know, you'll see a piece that has hundred shots in it, you know, for a two minute piece uh, or two and a half minute piece. Uh, and that, that two minute piece has been cut five different ways. 
you're trying things out. You know, let's try what we had in, in the middle and the beginning. Let's try what we had at the beginning, at the end. Let's, you know, take these five shots out and put in these five shots. So the, the little dance that we do um, working behind the scenes with editors um, and, and, and compositors, um, anyone who's, who's helping enhance the visuals is all about, you know, trying things out. It's, it's really the stuff that, that the, the general public doesn't really get to see because these pieces take a long time to do. I mean, the, you could be in an edit room for weeks and weeks and weeks on a, a piece or a package that's only three minutes long. So what are you doing in there for, for all these weeks? You're trying shots out. You're trying things out. You're trying out sequences. What happens if I, I use this tight shot of someone dribbling? Oh, no, it didn't quite work. Let's try the wide shot. What if I use um, this shot? No, it's too similar to the shot you used three shots ago. We got to change that. Um, so it's, it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of uh, feeling out kind of what works for the story. Uh, stories have to work on, on multiple levels. They have to work when everything's layered on top of each other. And when the, when the, when, you know, if it's voiceover and music or um, effect, sound effects from, from a game or Nat calls, announcer calls, Marv Albert, um, you know, this guy's on fire. Yes. And that kind of stuff. You layer those things in so that everything has the appropriate place and they all kind of enhance each other. Uh, so, you know, and when you see a shot that you don't quite know what to do with, but you know, you want it in, you have to, you have to keep coming back to it. You have to keep trying things with it. If, if you are going through raw footage and you see a shot and it just strikes you as interesting, but you don't quite have the place for it, you either have to think about creating a place for it or just put it in on the back burner until it, it, it you, you make your way in, into the progression of, of putting the piece together and you can, you know, drop that shot in at the right, at the right place. Um, but everything that, you know, generally one of the other rules is everything that's good, that is really unique, that is an amazing shot just in its own right. Um, generally everything that's good should, should find a place in, in your package or, or your piece, if you're creative. Uh, you, you shouldn't have amazing shots that you just couldn't figure out how to use. You've got to figure out how to use it. If you're not figuring out how to use it, then you got to get some help from somebody who, who can, you can't let that shot not go seen um, by, the, by the people. You have to do it for the people. With still so much ahead of you, do you ever reflect on how far you've made it since leaving college? <laughs> uh, uh, not really. Because, you know, I probably spend a little more time looking forward than looking backwards. Um, I mean, I, I definitely appreciate um, having, you know, the professional opportunities that I've been able to have. Um, it's been really great for me uh, to, to work on the kind of projects that, I, that I've been able to work on. And again, you know, I, I work on and my team works on creative content for sports. So we do promotions, we do broadcast opens, we do, um, you know, we even do internal things like presentations, we do co-brands. So it's really cool to uh, have those types of things and have those types of opportunities and work with great teams and I've met some amazing people and just really talented people. I mean, you know, guys like, you know, um, Jordan McMonagle, who's this DP that I use all the time, Evan McIntosh, um, who's, who's his partner, you know, Chad Watkins, um, Dirk Detweiler, um, you know, again, like uh, Sarah Manili, who I shouted out earlier. Um, it's, just, it's amazing to, to have the opportunities that I've had and, um, you know, it, it's, it's tough because I'm still going. So I, I don't want to look back yet. I kind of, I, I want to keep going. Um, and I'll look back at some point, but, but for right now, I want to keep looking forward. Uh, Kimberly Francois. Hey, how you doing girl? Um, Drew, have you ever been nervous or anxious about working with a celebrity or player? Um, for some reason the image is gone, but maybe it'll come back. I'll keep talking. 
I, you get anxious at times, probably more so because um, the, the project itself might be a large project or what it represents um, or the situation or the, the, the time that you have to, to do it, pressure at times. And those things can, can, you know, really weigh on you at times. Um, but it's tough to, you know, probably in the beginning, I probably was nervous a little more than, than now since I've, I've been in so many situations and work with so many people. But it, it's such a time crunch to get these things done. And it's such a time crunch to um, do a shoot and pull, pull off a production. You know, we're, we have, you know, minutes, 30 minutes, 10 minutes, sometimes five minutes. Uh, so it, it's, it, it, we tend to be more consumed with the technical aspects and making sure we get the technical aspects right. than you know, the people that, that, that we're dealing with. I mean, every now and then you'll work with, you know, I've worked with president Obama a couple of times and, and, you know, that was, that was a little bit of pressure and, and, and that was a situation where you, you definitely want to be buttoned up. But again, it was more driven by the, the fact that the time restrictions were, were, were so, so narrow and we wanted, you know, we only have one shot to get it right. It's not like, you know, you don't have them for five hours and you can do 20 takes. You, you have kind of one shot at it and, and we want to make sure everything's right. Everything's buttoned up. So um, that's probably where the pressure would come from more so than, you know, the actual person, the celebrity, the, the, the personality, uh, it's more the situation than anything else. Zach is back. Do you have advice for a high school senior? Yeah, I have advice for a high school senior. Um, do things that will sharpen your skills. However you can, if you're interested in getting into the business from a production standpoint, then start producing stuff. You don't have to have a job, you know, to have a, a job or an internship. If you want to take your camera and go out and shoot your friends doing stuff and make your own commercial or make your own production or tell your own story, or if it's sports, you want to go to a local event and do your own, you know, package. Um, you want to do your own stand-up uh, where you kind of set the scene and then you'll, you know, record some of the game yourself and, and then do a close and then come back and, and find some B-roll and, and, and put it over the top of that and make your own package. Do that. Um, keep doing things. Uh, a lot of people don't want to do things unless it's official, unless they have the job, unless they have, you know, get, you know, get the internship or get the check. They, they don't want to spend the time to, to create. So just go out and create shoot things, edit things, learn how to learn how to shoot, learn how to edit, learn how to write, develop the skills. Um, you know, just, just try to do whatever you can. Cause if you're coming out of high school, you're not, you know, chances of you getting a, a really great high profile industry job are, are probably pretty low unless you start your own company and, and you're, you know, the CEO and you hire yourself to, to do all the cool stuff. Um, but do what you can to start developing your skills, look around, learn things, find things that inspire you, find things that can point you in a direction um, to, to further your, your creative de development. Um, but, but keep track of those things and put them on your reel. And as you get better and better, you'll start replacing the things you had on your reel first that you look back on and, and realize that they're not that great. You'll look back at them and then you'll replace them with the things on your reel that come uh, subsequently. And they'll be better. You just keep getting better and better and better. Is there any wrong in starting off your career doing behind the scenes work prior to getting on air? No, absolutely not. Um, there's nothing wrong with doing behind the scenes work. Uh, I generally find that the most talented people and the most creative and engaging people somehow in their lives have, have done a lot of different jobs and kind of learned and mastered a lot of different jobs. Um, and in, in television, there's nothing but jobs to do. There's nothing but different jobs to do. You know, I, I've done many different jobs throughout my 22 year career. Um, 
behind the scenes work is a great way to learn how live productions, media, television, sports get done. And when you see and really understand how these things get done, when you understand how a show gets put together, who does what, who, how does, you know, a camera shot get from the camera in the arena to the truck to out to TV? How do graphics get made? How, how is research done? Um, how do these things come together? Uh, how are promotions done? How are live events done? How is uh, production coordination done? Uh, it, seeing these things and learning these things and learning how the pieces come together make you better no matter what job you end up doing. You just, you just have a better understanding for how to use the tools that are available to you. You have a better understanding for how to get help when you need it because you know what other people do. Um, like, I, I like directing, but I would not be a good director if I had not spent you know, years and years in edit rooms, editing pieces, um, you know, with, with, with great editors, um, Matt Lucas, Brett, Brett Langfels, um, guys like that, who I was able to learn from and, and, and really see how, how great work and great creative gets edited um, and, and start taking some of those learnings and bringing them into my preparation to, to direct things. I mean, that's, that's been really, uh, really helpful for me. What do you think the most important trait of someone in the business? What do you think is the most important trait of someone in the business? Um, uh, well, I, I mentioned a couple of these earlier. Uh, aside just from, you know, uh, let's assume that, you know, hard work is, is you know, is, is a given. Um, and, and assume that everybody's, you know, working hard. Uh, Resourcefulness, again, is a huge one. Um, being able to take what you have and make something out of it or find a way to get, to get more, to make better things. Um, it's, it plays out a lot. Uh, a lot of people will go out and, you know, do an interview and have their clips and their sports clips and they'll cut their bites together with their interview material They'll take their highlights from the game and put those in, and then that's their piece. Um, but the resourceful person says, you know what, there's, there's more here. I, I, want, I want more. I want to make this bigger. I want, I want a scene set of the city. I want a drone shot. I want a cool establisher. I want, uh, you know, shots of fans lining up. Um, that's not from this game. I'll find another game and, and, and make a montage. Um, the resourceful person is able to take whatever is in their head and, and get it out of them and put it onto the screen and not just take what they're given and make the best thing out of, of, of what they're given. So resourcefulness is a huge trait in the business. Um, one thing that is a little bit underrated, it's not necessarily a trait, but it's, 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 a, it's something that you have to do is, is research. Uh, research sounds, <laughs> it sounds, you know, uh, that's kind of boring research. What does that mean? Read and look at stats. Is that, is that what research is or, or find articles or recaps? Is that, is that what research is? Then, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to research. And it's one of the things that I learned, uh, starting in the business as a production assistant, working as a graphics, uh, PA, basically you, you, you do a lot of research. You are, um, building graphics for shows, lower thirds, stats, uh, tracking things, tracking trends, uh, looking into raw data for, for, for games and, and trying to find patterns and, and things that stand out. Uh, and the research is the foundation really for, um, in my opinion, it's the foundation for great creative. If you have two people who are equally hardworking and let's say, let's even say, you know, they're writing a script and they're equally good at, you know, their, um, you know, wordsmithing and, and, and they, maybe it's a little different, but they're both really high level. And one person is kind of just going off their, their gut and kind of going off what they've seen. And they watch a little bit of this, and a little bit of that, and they've seen some highlights and they get you know, most of their information from what's on ESPN or what's coming through their feed. And they kind of know the sport, but they, 
you know, they're, it's a kind of a cursory level of, of, of research. And the other person goes super deep and really finds great nuggets and makes associations that, that weren't in the recap story or the preview story. They make their own associations. They see something in the numbers that, you know, no one's really called out yet. They see a trend. They see, uh, you know, a milestone on the horizon that nobody's really talking about yet. And they take this research and they take their same hard work that the other person has. And they take their same ability to write that the other person has. And what they're telling you is all this new, interesting, thoughtful information. Uh, it, it, it's going to knock you back more so than the person who's telling you stuff based on things that you were already kind of seen and already kind of knew. Uh, and there's always angles if you research. There's always hooks there's always something that you can unearth to a degree that the majority of people watching didn't know. Uh, there's, there's, there's so many things that you can build a story on, build creative on, build concepts on that, that are in there. They're there for you. All you have to do is look for them and find them. I, I don't do anything without an extensive round of research. Um, when I, when I have the time. I mean, if I have to knock something out in two hours and I won't do a super extensive round of research, I'll do the best I can. But if I have two months, I, I won't write anything until I feel like I'm, I've, you know, I dove in deep and pulled out some nuggets. I don't know where they're going to go yet. I just have these nuggets of information that will help me tell a story in a, in a unique way about things that a lot of people know about. People know about these athletes. They know a lot about them. So whenever you can present these athletes in a new light, it always amazes people. Whenever you can give somebody a new piece of information, it always amazes them, especially if it's something that they thought they already knew. Pieces you produce top five, where's Chicago All-Star rank? <laughs> yeah, I kind of went over this a little earlier, uh, but, for, but for my man Pike, I'll, I'll give him the, the, the quick recap. Uh, and again, Turner Sports does a lot of different sporting events. We do basketball, we do March Madness, we do, um, you know, golf, we do, you know, we used to do um, tennis, we used to do NASCAR. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff to, to choose from when you start going back year after year after year. Um, but quick top five, I would say would be, you know, number one, probably NBA forever. Number two, for me, would probably be the Chicago All-Star piece just because, you know, it, the way it came together, the fact that, you know, I was able to work with Obama, President Obama, Michael Jordan, a bunch of other great Chicago icons, uh, the fact that it took, uh, you know, from conceptualization to, 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 to airing was over a year. Um, so many moving parts, you know, a giant, you know, model city shipped all around the country. Um, that'd probably be number two. Number three probably would be probably baseball piece with Brian Cranston, just because that was my favorite shoot directorially um, of all time, just because Brian was, was amazing. And then we had so many things to do. We had so many cameras, we had extras, we had all kinds of moving parts and, and we're able to pull it off. Um, you know, number four, I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't know. Um, I'd say, there's probably about 10 other pieces that maybe are tied for four and five. So I'll, I'll, I'll let myself off the, off the hook on that one. But uh, you've got, you've got at least a top three to work with there, Piker. Uh, let's see. My man Welch, how do you see COVID-19 affecting how you do your job? Well, in the short term, good, great question. In the short term, travel is going to be impacted. Um, and again, I'll, I'll kind of start wrapping up. Um, and again, for, for those who have hung with me, thanks a lot. Uh, I, I, my feed dropped out kind of halfway through uh, and then I clicked back in. So there's two live streams that you'll have to kind of look at together to get the full picture. Um, so, but to answer the question, how will COVID affect the job? We travel a lot. Sports is a traveling business. The teams are all over the country. The players are all over the country. Um, the events are everywhere. The fans are everywhere. So without the travel, that's, that's the main thing is trying to figure out how to do these productions. I mean, everything that is on this, this looper going behind me, you know, was, you know, they were shot all over the country in some, in some cases in, 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 in different countries. Uh, so trying to figure out how to pull off 
that level of production um, without the personal touch of being there is going to be very difficult. It might affect what we can do or, or what, you know, an assignment looks like um, in, in the, in the, in the near future. Hopefully uh, as we progress, things will, will kind of come back to normal and we'll reach a level of, of, of comfort in, in, in terms of being able to go out and be with someone and, 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 have a shoot with them and interview them and be right there in the room and talk to them and shake their hand, explain what you're doing and um, have that, that kind of intimate interaction that you really need to, to, to get great creative work done. And in the meantime, until that happens, we'll just have to adjust and, and use the technology we have to do things remotely as best we can. Um, that's, that's really the short answer. I don't think there's any substitute for being on a set with someone and talking to them about what you need for this next take to make this piece work. Um, there's just no really, there's no way to, 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 to do that remotely with all the stuff that goes around a big production. You know, you have to be there, you have to light it, you have to shoot it, you need cameras, you need um, effects, you need uh, all kinds of stuff that, that really has to be there. So um, we'll figure it out, we'll, we'll, we'll do the best we can. Um, let's see, I'm reaching my hour. I'll uh, try to find one more to end on. Advice to entry level candidates. I mean, it's similar to the high school question. Uh, what is your advice to entry level candidates in the business? Um, just do, again, do as much as you can um, and, and try to build a reel. That's the, that's the short answer. Um, Let's do another quick one since I've kind of went over that. What's the best, it's the biggest piece of advice you, I've ever been given? The biggest, the best piece of advice I've ever been given. That's a tough one. I've been given a lot of great advice. Um, I've been given a lot of great advice. Uh, I don't know. One, one thing that uh, a couple of people that I've worked with have, have instilled uh, in me and, and I've got to watch them do it was, you know, the more you pour into something, the more you get out of it. When you're working on pieces like these and you're working on creative, the more you pour into it. Time, your own time, uh, sacrificing that, uh, you'll, 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 you'll get results. Uh, that's, that's a tough thing to do is to, is to start getting into the zone where you're so dialed in that you're really starting to use a lot of your own time. Um, you're working around the clock. You're doing overnights, overnight sessions, sleeping on edit room couches, um, starting to blow things off. You know, I'm not going to go to that event. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping that, you know, trip. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to be available for that, you know, wedding sometimes. Uh, that happens, you know, probably more so earlier in my career when I was really trying to just establish myself. Um, but I learned, you know, that the more you put into it, the, the, the more you, you get out. I mean, one of Craig Berry was one of the people that kind of, you know, I learned that from by watching him. Um, you know, he was kind of my, uh, he's my current boss, but he was also the, my, my kind of my predecessor in the position that I'm in. Um, and I watched him just kind of pour it in and, and kind of work around the clock and, and get things done. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of the way it needs to be done. Um, so, you know, it's, it's tough when you're, when you have to do it and make the decisions and people always talk about work-life balance. Uh, you can have more work-life balance. Um, but at, at times you have to, to make the tough choice to really go above and beyond. If you really want something, if, the, if it's, you're working on something and it's close to, to being that really great piece of content and it just takes those, you know, just takes those man hours, just takes you and your team just working on it for a little while longer, just to get it from, from here to here. Um, I found, you know, almost every time it, it has tended to be worth it um, to, to make those sacrifices of your time and, and do what you can to push it from here to here because those pieces kind of are out there. They resonate. They're out there forever. They've got your name on it. Um, they're part of your professional legacy and reputation. And if you are in this business, what else is there, you know? So um, 
I will go ahead and shut it down. Um, thank you guys for logging on. I appreciate it. Sorry that the feed uh, cut out kind of halfway through and I had to restart. So that I think a bunch of you may have, may have dropped off and, and some of you came back on. So I appreciate that. Uh, and that concludes uh, my um, EJ's journalism edition. Thanks, EJ, Ernie Johnson, the man, um, for inviting me on. Appreciate it. Uh, hopefully something I said will help someone. Um, you guys can hit me up if you need to. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. Uh, DWAT Social is my Instagram handle. And, uh, you know, especially young students trying to get going, hit me up. I, I'll give you advice. I'll watch your piece. I'll give you some feedback. Um, try to help you take your creative content uh, creation to the next level. So um, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ernie. And uh, signing off for, for good this time. Thanks. Thank you for tuning into this episode of EJ's Game Plan. For more information on today's guest and breaking into the sports media industry, go to our website, www.ejsgameplan.com. Tune in every week to hear from more guests on their experience in the media industry. EJ's Game Plan is brought to you by Ernie Johnson Jr., the University of Georgia's new media institute and Grady Sports.